Hello and what's going on, Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. What's up today? Super special episode. We have Sean Roberts and Ryan Brizlara who competed against each other in a bunch of races during the Savage Series. So they got to know each other pretty well and being able to pop on here with them was uh, really fun to chat about training. We talked about how to come from a running experience and how that translates into OCR, some things that they learned along the way uh, as they've embarked on this journey as OCR athletes, kind of coming from some different perspectives. Like Sean's a bit more of a, of a veteran in this endurance space, and Ryan's also has a lot of experience, but now he's on his trajectory up, where Sean has been at kind of the pinnacle, and they're now kind of meeting in the middle with this Savage Series and OCR thing. So really cool to get all the perspectives in this one conversation. So I think you'll enjoy it very much. If you are enjoying the reinforced running podcast, hit us with a review five stars four if, if that's what you feel like we deserve. But I mean, like five was, is better. You can drop a comment too. If you want to holler at some, uh, some feedback for us, we would really appreciate that. So here we go. Sean Roberts, Ryan Brizolara. All right. We got two guests today, fresh off the Savage series. We have Ryan Brizolara and Sean Roberts. Ryan and Sean, what's up today, fellas? How are you guys doing? Doing very well. How about yourself? Not bad. Can't can't complain uh, on on this day. Sean, what are you up to? Uh, about to uh, drive back to Ohio. Actually, I gotta get up there again. Two weekends in a row. Uh, a seven hour drive for me. So after this, rolling out. <laughs> now I didn't I didn't think I knew you were from Ohio until we recently spoke. But the thing about Ohio is Ohio people love. Ohio. Is that the case? Is that always the case across the board? Not as much as Texas people love Texas. Well, but- that's a whole different thing. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm from uh, a lot of different places. I've, I've lived all over the country. So I don't really, uh, I guess, have strong attachments anywhere. Uh, like, I mean, I like a lot of places I live, but I'm not a diehard for any like city sports teams or anything. I, I'm just like, yeah, I lived there for a while. So if like the people do the OH, are you gonna like follow in? With, yeah, with for the... sure, for sure. Oh, okay, so and, so you got uh, it down. Yeah, and I've lived in multiple places in Ohio, so like Cleveland people are way different than Dayton people. Like Cleveland, there's much more pride in being from Cleveland, and just because it's a you know terrible place to live, <laughs> I think I think people kind of you know get communal over that. Like, yeah, nobody else could survive here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sort of from a place like that as well, just like northeastern Pennsylvania. People just love it there, and Philadelphia is even kind of that way too. And and Briz, you're, I mean, it's not easy living where you are. No, so so Binghamton is kind of if you're you know looking at middle of the Pennsylvania New York border, we're ten minutes north of that. Kind of middle of nowhere. We've got like state forests on basically every side. Which for trail running is a lot of fun, but uh, there's not much else going on here. <laughs> that was uh, I was telling Jared this when he was on that there's uh, a Burger King and like a, a there was a Champion Outlet back in there. My parent my parents grew up in Syracuse, so we passed through there often. Yeah. Um, so at least there's a Burger King, and we would eat there a lot. Whoppers, double Whoppers, sometimes. I saw a McDonald's once here too. There is one. I know there's a start. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you guys were coming off of the Savage Series, Sean. You finished second, and and Briz, you were uh, fifth overall, correct? Correct. So, Ryan, let's start with you with the when you saw the series kind of coming down, and last year was really kind of your first year in OCR, right? Yeah. So I. 
I think it was 2020. Uh, the we have a sp Spartan Sprint at one of the local ski resorts up here. I think that was the last year they did it. That was my the winter one OTR race. The winter one. Yes. Um, and I I think Jarrett mentioned this when he was talking to you that I lost both my shoes during the race. <laughs> like like didn't know what kind of shoe I should be looking for. Luckily, I didn't show up in a road shoe to a OCR race, but uh, um, that kind of set the tone for how much improvement I really, I really <laughs> had to do over the next year. Um, to There's a lot that can go wrong. So you got, you got one of those things right off the back. Just you can lose your shoe. Um, yep, learned that one. And Ryan, real quick, the microphone is kind of like rubbing against your neck. So I'm getting a little feedback from that. So you can just kind of watch that. Besides that, we're good to go. Um, and Sean, you're also relative, like pretty new. Last year was your first season as well as an OCR athlete, correct? Yep. So when you guys saw this, the Savage Series, the announcement, uh, Ryan, what was your initial response to it? Did you know immediately you wanted to go after it? Or And I forget the timeline, but I think it was after Spartan announced their series, correct? I don't know about the timeline on that, um, but I have had a better experience at Savage races than I have at Spartan races, just in general. And nothing against Spartan particularly, but I tend to prefer Savage races. They have better obstacles, in my opinion. They do more innovative things. So when I saw that there was going to be a series I don't know if they had already announced the locations of where the races were going to be, but I was like, oh, I'm in on that. Nice. So I was hyped for it. Because it was interesting how it kind of split, right? Like I remember seeing, I, I forget the timing as well, but I remember seeing when Spartan announced their series, it was all West Coast, all mountains, essentially. And it's just like, yep. well, this is such a bummer for anyone on the East Coast because travel is just expensive, especially now it's like crazy expensive. Oh, so yeah. even like getting up and down the East coast, isn't like an easy task necessarily. Um, but it was nice that they had the, the kind of East coast series with Savage. And then Sean, did, were you kind of the same thing when you saw it? And uh, I know you've kind of um, like had your opinions about Savage versus Spartan as well. And you kind of are like, all right, I'm, I'm in on the, the Savage side of things. Yeah, yeah. When, when you saw the series come in, were you like, all right, done deal. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same thing that Briz said, uh, except I do uh, have issues with uh, Spartan. Uh, <laughs> but, and I will say that because they've said more, worse things about me. Um, yeah, no, I, I was really excited to be able to still do a series. And like, for, for really for me, it's like about the competition, getting in against better racers and like learning and trying to get good fast. Because the ultimate goal for me is OCRWC. And I still have a lot of improvement to make on all of the OCR aspects of OCR. Cause I don't actually train for OCR. I just do my training to make me faster, stronger, more athletic. And then I learn to OCR on the course. And it's, a, yeah, there's definitely, a, I think actually where the noob sanity people are at a bit of an advantage is that you do have a, a better route to train specifically for OCR where yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of learning on course. So if you're not on course that often, and when you're in competition, it's hard to kind of like have that, like take a step back and, and look at it. So in terms of preparation for both of you guys, Ryan, when you look at 
the the series and Savage in particular, did you feel like you put it need to put a big emphasis on the actual obstacles or were you like my fitness needs to be in a certain place? Because Savage is interesting because there is a certain amount of uh, like turnover and speed that you need to have more than you would for a Spartan, like a mountain race, but also the obstacles are so technical that you can kind of get bottlenecked up. So when you were like prepping for this series, like what was, was there anything that you want to put at the forefront of your training or were you just kind of taking it as a whole and kind of doing like running fast through obstacles? Yeah. So, so my fitness at the end of last year was really good. Um, and then my personal life has just been kind of crazy, not in a bad way, but very crazy for the last seven or eight months. So I wasn't training as much as I should have been. And I've always been a fairly small runner kind of guy. And I was at about 150 to 152 pounds. And then in the last eight months, I went up to 165, which is the most I've ever weighed in my life by 15 pounds. Not on purpose? Sort of on purpose. So I I knew I wanted to gain muscle, but I didn't think I was going to be able to gain that much that quickly. And it happened more because I wasn't running. I wasn't training. I wasn't doing the cardio quite as much because I just wasn't having, like, I had a lot of injuries that I was working through still. So when the Savage Race series started, I had a higher estimate of where my fitness, where I thought my fitness was was then where it actually was Mm -hmm. so race one in florida in the heat coming from the northeast oh man i got spanked (laughs) well you were also pretty aggressive again i had a much higher opinion of where i thought my fitness (laughs) so so that was you know very humbling in a good way and so that kind of really adjusted my outlook for the rest of the season and and what i knew i had to do from then moving forward that's that's an interesting look at it uh especially when like you think your fitness might be in a specific place and and you don't know it until you're actually put to it and and sean where where your like full-on fitness has been is 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 above pretty much anybody that's in the field right so do you have a feeling for what that is like on for you like in your own personal preparation. So are you, do you know exactly where you are? Or are you always kind of overestimating where you were because of your highest end that you've been? Uh, I, I have a pretty good understanding of what my fitness is. Um, and I mean, I, my goal is to right now show up at the race being the fastest, strongest, most athletic person there. And I know that other people are going to be better than me at OCRs. So I have to make up that difference in other ways. And hopefully, like, you know, on the course, I can pick up things that other people are doing and learn. And, like, I just realized recently that the way I go over, like, eight-foot walls, I'm losing a second from most other people. It's just small things like that. I lose at least five to ten seconds every time I go down a cargo net. Um, and there's, there's just so much for me to fix. Uh, but, yeah, when I, when I train, I, I have a pretty good – I can be pretty accurate to know exactly, like, what I could run in a 5K – you know, what I could squat, um, how high my vert is, but until you get on the course and feel the different kind of pain that OCR gives you, it doesn't really matter. And I guess that's what happened to me at Florida. I, I was cramping up really bad that whole race. And I think it was just because my body, 
like was shocked. I was like, oh, this is <laughs> new. You know, I, not a type of pain I felt in a while. There's like a race sharpness. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. kind of have to be like you can get that a lot with you know mile five k, like what it feels like at that like the last two thirds of a race, and you can do that maybe two or three races in a row and be ready for it. And OCR is a little bit like that as well. Um, Bruce, what were your, your, you were a runner through high school, college. Yep. High school, college. Um, I, I basically ran or rode a bike because I lived way out in the country and basically ran or rode a bike from middle of the way through elementary school onward to just get to my friend's house. (laughs) Just building a base. Yeah, seriously. So I, I've just been always doing that kind of cardio stuff. My parents never could get me to sit still for very long. So, so yeah, this, a, yeah, that, that's something I learned though. Actually, in training, uh, I think biking translates way more to the hill running than mm-hmm. running up hills. So I've recently been trying to do a little bit more biking. I bike to and from work, and where I live is you know pretty mountainous, so I get some decent vert in. But I feel so much more of the accuracy in the quad burn when I'm riding a bike up a, a hill than I do when I'm just doing a light training run up a hill compared to when you're racing up a hill, you know. Do you think that's just the based off of like the duration of time you can spend like working hard on a bike that you can kind of get that that burn up and going versus like doing hill repeats? Or like why do you think that is? Is it just like the motion or just that I, it's it doesn't beat you up as bad? I really think it's motion because I'm not putting in nearly as much time on the bike as I do on the roads. And it's, I mean, really, I, I could go up a half mile hill with 100 feet of vert on a bike. So that's not going to take very long. And I feel that burn as mm. though I'm running up the hill in Ohio. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can, because that's my thing, my biggest weakness as a runner in the sport right now is my ascending. And for me, I think that's, I did okay ascending in Ohio because I think I put in more biking. I think as you put in more biking, there's going to be a strong translation to the ascending. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's because coming from the Savage series and then having it be OCR world championships is the next kind of like real big event. The, the, the climbing is going to be at the forefront, right? Like that's going to be the, like there's a ton of obstacles out there and they're all difficult, but yeah. the terrain at OCR world championships is going to be a little bit more demanding. So how do you guys think you'll, you'll shift things? Like did, did you consider the terrain during Savage and you're like, all right, let's keep it flat, keep it fast. And then as it moves into OCR world championships is like, all right, how are we going to, are we going to change things with biking or doing different type of hillier runs? Like Sean, what do you think? What do you, what are your thoughts on like how to kind of change things versus what you were doing? I am 100% tailoring all of my training toward the terrain. Um, I did that for Savage, um, and I definitely going to do it for OCRWC. I know I have mileage and vert goals for every week leading up, and then I'm definitely going to be adding in more biking. Like for me last year, the reason I lost OCRWC, well, not I'm not going to say, I lost OCRWC in the first half mile because I mm. couldn't climb. I was a minute behind in the first 800 meters because I couldn't climb with anybody else. I My second half of the race was great. I passed like three or four people and was able to, barely managed to get fourth place but um yeah so i'm gonna be doing i think last year the month and a half leading up i didn't do any vert because uh my uh my wise sage ryan woods uh, told me that it was a flat course so. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's funny because i think i remember talking to you either after that event or at a pr- following event uh sean and 
you said the same thing that Woodsy stabbed you in the back. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forgive him for that. I showed up to the race and I looked and I'm like, is that the start for the 3K? I asked like four people, is that the start for the 3K? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it goes straight up that mountain? Yeah, 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 I was, I was hot. <laughs> Flat as a pancake, man. <laughs> so, Sean, what's that? What's that feel like for you to to be dropped in, like going up? Like, like, did you think that going from flat to like to doing some vert was going to tax you that much and take and take away some of that fitness that you would typically have over people? And like, was it a hard realization, or did you know, like, when you're going into these hilly courses? I mean, last year you also did. Um, Utah, correct. You did some of the Spartan races like in Montana. So there's some climbing there. Yeah. Is that your first time you got into a race where it, there was a lot of ascending? And did you think it was going to be a problem? Yeah. La- last year, last May, I would say is the first time I ran a real hill. Um, mm-hmm. And like I, I had to learn. And it, honestly, by Utah and OCRWC, it was less like you would think it'd be a big hit to the ego. Like, oh man, I, because I always thought that running is running, right? Like if you're fast, you're fast. Right. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> and that's completely untrue. <clears throat> um, it, the, the flat speed, maybe it's just how I run. But for me, my flat speed translates really well to descending, but mm. no translation to ascending. And it was really the feeling was more like confusion and astonishment. Because I mean, it, it, people were running so much faster than me that I was like, wow, this is, this doesn't even make sense. Because yeah. like, I know I'm, minute two minutes faster than these people on a 5k and we're going up a half mile hill and i'm they're just doing what they want with me i can't yeah i can't do anything about this so i yeah just a shock and i'm like i there's a lot of work that i need to put in on that aspect of running i had a very similar experience in big bear in 2019 i come off like a pretty fast road 10k faster than what most ocr athletes are gonna be able to run so i was like all right my fitness is there like uh, all the internal pieces, like my lactic tolerance, my aerobic capacity, it's all good. I'm like running all this stuff through my head. I was like, it's going to be fine. And then I went out to big bear and like in the first, like literally three minutes I was wrecked. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. What do you, so I've, I've been spent a lot of time thinking about it. And like for both of you guys, what do you think that is? Like, where is the piece that needs to be improved for climbing to like take like good running athletes, like the three of us that are, is going to help kind of put, put us in a better position for more like better ascending. So I kind of, like I said, I've, I've been in cycling for a long time. I moved out to California in 2013, spent like four and a half years there and got wicked into triathlon while I was there. Mm. So I am sort of biased to say that triathlon is a great sister sport to OCR because swimming builds arm endurance and muscular strength in the upper body as well as core strength. Cycling is really great, like Sean was saying, for hill climbing and stuff like that. And all three of those components of triathlon are translatable to cardio, which is if you can suffer at a higher level and still make it through obstacles clean, like you're going to be really good at the sport. Hmm. So I think like Sean was just saying about cycling, that translates really well to running uphill, but it doesn't hurt your flat or descending speed Hmm. the same Hmm. as it would as if you're just training hill climbing all the time. Like if you're just a mountain runner, you're probably not throwing down a hot mile 
you can be pretty slow. While. You can yeah. get slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. Hmm. So is it like a muscular endurance thing? Cause that's what I always think. It's like, maybe my, my leg muscles just give out. Like I just get to a point where I, I can't fire hard enough or long enough to get me mm -hmm. to that top. And like my body just like shut, like that central governor type of thing. Right. It's, and then I just it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely muscular endurance. I mean, it's just a difference in the angle that your foot is hitting the ground, which is causing you to recruit different muscles. So you're, for me, it's a lot more quad action and a, uh, <clears throat> a power hike is a break on the quads and then it goes straight to the calves. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, I'm not breathing hard. When I first started doing these hills and stuff, I could barely get my heart rate up because my legs weren't really strong enough. I was normally trying to get up to like over 150 and I was hitting like 142 on my heart rate just because it's like my, my quads hurt too bad. I can't go mm -hmm. anywhere. Hmm. Have you got, have you noticed like uh, any type of like qualitative difference in that? Like, does it just feel better after a while or is there like, and, and same for you, Briz, if you're doing like the hill training or doing uh, like some of the bike training, like how do you know it's getting better? Is it just like time trialing or is it just like more the so, feeling of going up? So for me, the first thing was the uh, realization of what the pain was going to be like and how far you can push yourself. I think that's the, the mm. neurological changes associated with any training within the first six weeks. You're going to just like get better at that from you know, standpoint of like, I know what my body's now capable of. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it was a, a lot like, I think the, the long ascending makes a big difference in training. Like there's obviously different ways to train the hills. You can do like, like out of my front door, I can do now two miles, 1100 feet of vert. Oh, nice. And before that, when I lived down in Huntsville, Alabama, it was all rolling hills, mm -hmm. completely different feeling. So you can get that like quick power, but you're not really able to work the endurance. So it, like there's, there's a place for the, uh, the power speed stuff. Like I, I've started doing hill intervals now as well, but you, you, yeah, you just got to hit it every way, just like you would hit a normal run. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think what Sean is hitting on with the muscular endurance, especially of the quads, is huge like you use that for descending more than you would realize too so having really strong powerful quads that can just keep going and going and going like as endurance athletes we're not looking to build just explosive strength like you need some of that for sure but having to be a like to be able to put out 80 to 95 percent of your total muscular strength for every single step mm -hmm. for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, half an hour, an hour, two hours, you know, that's where the muscular endurance comes in. And I don't know many people that live in an area where they can go out their front door and within a 20 minute drive, be at a hill or mountain that they climb for two hours straight to get that practice. Right. Yeah, yeah. That basically doesn't exist unless you're at the ultra house in, in Colorado, you <laughs> know, like, mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like descending also. So last year I did my first savage race was Ohio and uh, I was telling her before we started, but like I was way more sore after that and it was less from the ascending and more from the descending. My glutes mm. for at least four or five days were just not functional. Uh, Cause I mean, that was the only way I was going to stay in the race. It was just, and that's what downhill running is about. It's about like 
leg speed and willingness to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm very willing to put my body on the line and I have a lot of leg speed. So I was like, that's, this is the only way that I'm going to be able to stay in the race. Man. The first time I realized that was my first Spartan race, like kind of same as you, Sean, like I didn't, hadn't done like a real hill in my life until I did do the New Jersey tri-state and going down. I realized how little, I was willing to die. <laughs> I was like, I, I have to practice being okay dying. And uh, yeah, because it is, and that's another thing that's gonna be huge for us at RC versus, uh, oh, versus Savage in general is that the descents are going to make or break. And someone like Kemp's who won the thing last year is a great descender, right? And he caught mm-hmm. Logan going down. So when you guys think about that piece, is it kind of wrapped up in one? Like if your ascents get better, will your descents just naturally get better because of the, the, like ideally you'd be going up and down hills, but a lot of times to get those good, like uninterrupted climbs, you gotta need, you need, like, need a treadmill or you need to bike. Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure how related they are, honestly. And for me in training, I don't like in training, I'm not willing to put my body in the line at all. Often, like anytime I do any kind of descending with woods, it's not even fair. Well, any up or down, it just kicks my butt, but like descending, <laughs> I'm very ginger in training, but in a race, I get really competitive and so it's kind of just like, go for it. But I, I don't really, uh, I don't think I could just run up on a treadmill for 30 minutes, you know, and then think that I'm going to show up to a race and be able to run down fast. As right. Well. right. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree yeah, how's, with that. Your, how's your descending, Briz? So, so this last Savage race in Ohio, Sean was, I think, I think you were just ahead of me on the hill. And then we come down and uh, it was one of my teammates, Matthew Gill and Jared Flank, one of your athletes, Mm -hmm. just ahead of us. And Sean goes blasting by them. Later in the night, we're all hanging out and Sean is ripping into these two because of their (laughs) slow descent. I'm I'm sitting here out of the fire because he just didn't see that I was behind them. (laughs) Going as slow. (laughs) Going as slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, to be fair, they they could have been going faster. Oh, oh for uh, sure. That, and they were just <laughs> they were just in the they were in the way. They were running next to each other, one on the left side, one on the right side. And I was like, why are you guys running the same speed down the hill as you did up, right? Now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was what they Jared said to me. He's like, Well, it turns out my descending is terrible. I was like, okay. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. n- noted, we need to figure that out. But it, it's again, it's like one of those things you might not know, especially how you compare to others. Like you can run it downhill and just think it's like, great, I'm not on the ground. It feels like I'm still moving. Like this must just be how I descend. But like to aggressively go down, like, and I see some of these times and th- like one thing that really uh, like got me thinking about how descending is so different is in that race in Big Bear that I ran, Johnny Luna Lima said something like, I know I can run like five twenties going down the hill. If I could just lock onto that, like I'm good to go. And I was like, I can run five twenties flat, like no problem for a, over an hour. <laughs> and I was like, and how can, how can the downhill just be that pace? And, and I can't hold it, but it is just a difference in just like the mindset or just like the pounding that makes it hard yeah. to know when you're actually going like seven minutes going downhill feels way faster than seven minutes flat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the, the grade as with anything varies a lot. So with like descending, there's a point of where it like 
I would say maybe 15, 20% grade is where you're going to top out. I, I don't know. This is just me making up a number. So okay. and then once it gets, once it gets too steep, I, me personally, I start to significantly slow down because then it's like, oh, my body just can't handle like the amount of speed that it's going to accrue if I just let, you know, open up. So I think that's around the 15 to 20% grade area. And then when, by the time I hit 25, I'm like, I need to be backing off and coming down on my heels. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, those are the hard grades to find like the mm-hmm. over 20 and practicing going down such a steep pitch that feels like you are just going to tip over. Have you, you guys fallen to send descending? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have cartwheeled down the mountains. I have, I, I've broken bones. I, you know, all kinds from of running. Uh, I broke my ankle and wrist at the same time. One time running oh. down a hill. <laughs> it was not a good, oh. not a good day. Would you just catch something or did you just like lose control? It was like a sprained ankle on a misstep on a rock. Uh, and then just the foot slipped yes. and I went tumbling. <laughs> so when Sean talks about his willingness to die going down a hill, I'm seeing very vivid in- images coming <laughs> through yeah. very quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, that's serious. I, I, uh, to my knowledge, like hard descending, since I've only done it in races, I've only fallen once, and mm. that was at OCRWC. And it, it was a during during the 3K because obviously I was way behind, so I had to bomb the hill, and uh, it was a fairly bad spill. I was limping for a few days after my knee was pretty busted up. Um, but in the race, I was just like, you know still going uh i probably only lost me like five or ten seconds but yeah i mean i, I just expected it. it happens i hit some gravel it cut loose and i just like kind of uh, fell hit the knee and slid down but yeah yeah it seems like it is just one of those things like if i fall yeah. i fall <laughs> and then yeah, i'll just, just get up you just hope you get up yeah hope you get up <laughs> yeah yeah Seriously. yeah yeah so coming off of savage then uh what were Briz, what were some of your expectations leading into it? Did you have any in terms of how you would do, especially because it's last year was your first real year in in the sport and then kind of coming off of maybe not the best training block coming in. Did you have expectations on how you want to perform at this thing? Yeah. So, so I had pretty high expectations for myself. Um, and like, like I raced against a Aaron Newell who was coming off of a surgery last year at a savage race and and obviously he was coming off a a surgery but that still goes to your ego Um, was that pa i think that was pa and then in maryland i (coughs) raced jordan mcdougall and my fitness at that point was really good i was coming off of a 501 day running streak and um so I, i had the base to just go out the gate hot and run like i meant it from from the time the gun went off. So getting smacked in the face in Florida, I realized my fitness was not there to where I expected it to be. And it was kind of a hard realization over a couple of races that I'm like, okay, time to rebuild the cardio, time to get as much dirty work done in the in-between weeks as I possibly can. Barely enough recovery and then hit the race like I'm going to hit it like a super hard workout. Um, and that played out pretty well for me as the series went on. 
because I was able to keep up with the other guys that were absolutely blasting me and also getting faster as the series went on. Mm-hmm. So I could tell my my fitness was really coming back. My strength was coming back. I, I would get it. I was getting that base training back in. Um, but like Sean was saying, his next goal is OCR World Championships. It's the same for me. So trying to get on the bike a lot more. You know, coming out of the series where I'm like, I'm like, all right, biking to and from work every single day. Uh, you know, just increase volume, increase vert more time on the feet, that sort of thing. So it sounds like there was some high expectations going into it, but then reality kind of set in. And then it was more like, all right, let's see where we can get. Absolutely. By the end. And you did progressively improve, right? You had a couple of fourth places. Were you fourth twice? I don't remember. I In Charleston, that was the race that really hit me like a brick. Um, the easiest course? Flat, hot. It was the easiest yeah. course by far. It was flat, hot. It was like hard-packed sand, so it was a beautiful running course. So Alvaro, Roberts, you know, all these guys that are like way faster than me just took off. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I've got to try and just hold it together. And I just couldn't because some, these, I mean, the whole Savage Series, anybody that showed up to the race at the front is not kidding around mm-hmm. like Kempson, there was that Newell. there's that new guy too right the mike wegner was at that race and he, he, uh, he went out nowhere. flying yeah he road did. road 10k runner showed up in road shoes like asics trainers to his first <laughs> ocr race and yes. <laughs> like made it through most of the rigs made it through like all this stuff clean and would like you know struggle at obstacles and then we're running away and he comes flying like jogging back up and i'm like who is this oh my he god pretty good considering yeah, yeah. Good. yeah super nice guy i talked to him a few times he got some uh ocr shoes mm-hmm. uh and uh <laughs> i i'm excited to see what he does over the next two years three years I think yeah, if he sticks with it, he'll be a name. He's competitive for sure. I raced for him with Charlotte sure. again after that, and he like went straight out with me. And you could tell he didn't know what he was doing on obstacles, and I don't really know what I'm doing on obstacles for the most part <laughs> either. But I was way more confident than him, and it was just like, oh, like you know, it'll it'll come together for him. Yeah, I just I just love that's how runners approach it though. It and it, it it happens. You'll see it every year. It's like I'm just gonna be out fitness everybody, and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. deal with the obstacles when they come. And to go after it that far, and to go with the top athletes in the sport, because I mean, uh, like the the athletes who are in the savage race are as fast as they're gonna be at any obstacle race. And he's just like, screw it, I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. these guys yeah. aren't as fast as me. Watch. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, I think the series that like <clears throat> it was. Um, more competitive like the depth was more than i expected it was <clears> nice. a good yeah. example of that yeah like florida i i mean i had a bad race that was the race that really like florida like, i should have done well there and i had a slightly bad race kimson i lost to kimson by i think a minute and 20 seconds but that was sixth place that day because there was just so much depth on the day and yeah. you know a lot of other people ran well uh which, which is good to have right like you want it to be like that because then coming into Ohio, I get the feeling like I, I have confidence in other people 
because, you know, I'm looking at the points, seeing how I can move up to second place in the standings. And I'm like, okay, Alvaro's in second. And I was like, I'm not worried about him because I know he doesn't run hills because he lives in Miami. And I'm looking at all the other guys. I'm like, well, we got eight studs here who are going to beat him. Right. And so I was like, all right. So now I just have to worry about beating Aaron. I'm not even like worried about where Alvaro is going to be because I'm like, we got so much depth that there's a bunch of guys who are going to be ahead of him. Sean, what was your fitness like early on? And did you, were you looking at this as a way to peak for Ohio or were you just like how you said, just wanted to be generally as fit as possible throughout the duration of that? And was that the same so, coming into the beginning? Double peak uh, for this year. I, I came into Florida and actually really solid fitness. It was the cramps that got me like it was, so it was pretty disappointing. Um, and then I knew I wasn't going to be at my fittest for the, Charleston, Maryland timeframe, uh, which mm-hmm. was fine. Um, but yeah, I ended up just, I ended up having to play a few of the races in the middle safe in order to, uh, kind of make sure that I got the points I needed, which is frustrating because I like to race to win and get out and get after it. But this is the smart thing for the series is like, don't, especially in Maryland where it's 85 degrees and everybody's going to overheat. I, I let it, I probably was in 12th place at the mile. I'm just like, I'm gonna let them go pick up who I can and just as long as I can finish on the podium, I'll be where I need to be. And that's just kind of how I felt about it. And I mean, it, like three, yeah, it, it helped to have uh, the goals of like looking at different people. Like Aaron was always after the first race. Cause I knew I was like, well now Kemp's like one race and I, I can't beat Kemp's now. Cause I, he's not going to get a bunch of thirds and fourths to catch up, which probably my biggest uh, issue with the way the series was set up actually was mm-hmm. that, I wish they would have let you – everything was great, except I wish they would have let you drop any race you wanted. Um, and that way, yeah. one bad race doesn't kill you. Um, it worked out for me at times, right? Because, again, Alvaro, he's not great at running up hills. So he has to r- figure out how to run up a hill. It's unfortunate for him. But a lot of us had a bad day on the wrong day. And if you can avoid that, then you're at an advantage. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that a little bit because this was the first year of the series, and that was an interesting way to kind of mix it up and give the athletes a little bit of flexibility, right? Like, so it's not make sure your calendar is set for five weeks. It's make these three races and the rest, uh, and the other two you just need to make one happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is which is interesting, but at the same time, yeah, like it would be nice to be able to drop one. Yeah. So. Briz, what did you think about this series setup? Like, how would you have liked to see a change or like the pros and cons? Yeah, so I liked the way the series was iterated in its, you know, in its first iteration, right? So I think they're probably going to make a couple of changes to the rules um, for, you know, next year and, and the following years. Um, but I liked the way they had it set up where they're like, hey, we're choosing what race you guys can drop and it's on you to have a good day on those days. And I, I had performed pretty consistently. I had gone to Georgia, which was one of the optional ones. And I figured that the field would be less deep at the optional races. So I had put both of those on my schedule, trying to tactically be like, well, if less guys show up, then I'll probably place higher. And whatever highest result you get is the one that, would matter Mm -hmm. so went to both of those and um thankfully it was charleston that i just fell apart i think i was 10th or something like that and uh, that was one of the ones that i was able to 
drop, but the other two, you know, Maryland and Ohio to finish the series out, I knew I had to be on point. So mm-hmm. it, you were eighth respectively in Charleston. Yeah. Okay. I think, I so, think I, yeah. so I think I would like uh, them to keep the last race. And especially since Ohio is the only one that's really hilly. I would like them to keep that as definitely mandatory. Everybody has to show up and you can't drop it. And honestly, look, you can add extra points to it. Cause I, I think it's cool to have like a game seven type feel coming out there and you're mm-hmm. like, all right, you got to show up. I agree. Does it matter that that course was drastically different than the rest though? Because someone like Alvaro who's in the mix, right? We're looking at the standings. If you were leading into Ohio, it was like, okay, if anyone's going to catch Kempson, it's, it's Alvaro. But then the course was just so much different than the rest of the series that he didn't have, he really didn't have a chance. Yeah. I think that's the nature of the sport, which, um, I mean, if, it, look, if I were creating every course, all it would be is jumping over walls and uh, running flat stuff like I have to, it'd, it'd be really really fast op- athletic obstacles with a little bit of strength but no you, I think the sport is you have to be able to do all of these different things so yeah you you need Ohio otherwise you know Charleston Maryland's got a little bit of hurt in there uh, but Charleston mm-hmm. and Florida are kind of the same thing um, Florida's a little bit swampier yeah I, I agree with what Sean was just saying I think Instead of taking Ohio out, I, I think what he was saying is keep it in, make it mandatory, maybe even add an extra weighted point so you get more points for performing mm-hmm. better at a ch- more challenging course. Yeah. I, I actually really agree with that. I think having more varied terrain, like some of the courses are just going to be flat, fast speedways. Mm-hmm. Some of them are going to be mountainous grind fests. And I think having a better balance of those throughout the series would be better than having flat, 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 hilly. Like if they can find a flat and then a hilly and then a kind of in between and then, you know, like kind of stagger it. So it's like, like you can perform better across the board. Like Kenson did a phenomenal job of that. He's got the turnover, even at the flat stuff. Yeah. And then you put them on a hill, and the guys got wings. Yeah. So, so yeah. there's a reason he won this series is because he's a phenomenal, well-rounded athlete on any terrain, and I, mm-hmm. I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, and I think they, they do a decent job. Because, like I, said, I think Maryland is fairly hilly. That that actually surprised me. I forgot how hilly it was when I got there, and yep. I, with all the heat, I was like, oh man, I forgot. There's like 400 feet of vert in the 10k, which isn't a ton, but. With Some. all the flat they have, it's like you hit these steep hills for a short period of time. And right. And yeah, you have the Ohio. And then the rest, um, yeah, they, they could use – they could probably use slightly more variety. Georgia was definitely my least favorite course, but that's also because I fell in the first 100 meters. And, yeah, that was ridiculous. Um, Gun goes off. He goes running out the gate. <laughs> takes probably 10 steps and then supermans across the ground. <laughs> yeah. Busted my knee and I, I didn't even get to finish the race because I, I, I busted my knee up enough and I was like, well, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, wait, wasted a drive out there. Man, no, sure. I, uh, I, you, you need courses like that. Like I don't like Georgia type courses because the footing was so bad to me. Um, but again, if it were me, we'd be doing these on a track. So, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be there. And if there was at a track, I'd be at your obstacle race, Sean. <laughs> yeah. um, so would you guys have to see like a championship? 
because I mean, it was like the Ohio at kind of, like you said, Sean was like kind of game seven feel, but it was still at the end of a series, you know, like it would be cool if there, what if Ohio was maybe the championship of it, would you like to see they, something like that? So maybe just do that in the fall. So have the series in the spring and then have a near the OCR time period within two weeks of that OCR mm. WC time period. So people are peaking or they should be for OCR WC time period. So either two weeks before, two weeks after you have <clears throat> another, re- I mean, I don't, really care what venue it's at i personally even though i don't like you know climbing and stuff i think ohio is the best venue um if i would rather than do it at charleston but i think to be fair ohio <laughs> is, the, is the best venue in order to have it at uh but yeah just one like hey savage championship race um would be pretty cool yeah i i think the series this year was so early in the year too mm-hmm. like i know i was talking with jared <laughs> flank and um you know Obviously, Newell and Kempson don't really have excuses because they were placed really high in the series from the gun. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Newell was in, I think, Ecuador for two months of training. And, um, yeah. like, for people in the Northeast, it's hard to train for that flat, fast, hot racing mm-hmm. for that early in the season. Yeah, yeah. So, winters are tough. Yeah. For sure. So I think maybe they spread the season out over a longer time period, make it like one race a month than every other week. But again, then you you start running into other race series, other like sports mm-hmm. seasons, like that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I sort of like that they did it early in the year. I would almost like to see another mini series later in the year, like a spring and a fall. Or yeah. like a couple of championship races in the fall, or you know something like that, where the stakes are increased, prize money's doubled or tripled, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Here's two races, winner takes all sort of thing. Yeah, that would be, you know, and and there's there's a hundred thousand things they could do with it, but uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see where they take it in the cu- next couple of years. I think there's a lot fun, of potential. Yeah. It is going to be fun because there, there's so much potential and they have so many options and they didn't do a bad job. That's yeah. the most important thing. Is like <laughs> they, start, they started out and I think across the board, pretty much everybody is happy with how the series went, regardless of how they place. Obviously, like never happy to not win, but for sure, hey, this this went well. Yeah, yeah. I I think it was very well run. I think, yeah. The, uh, it's, I'm very excited to see what they do next year. It's funny when the bar is, they didn't do a terrible job and we're like, Oh, good. Great. That's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's great for OCR. Um, <laughs> what do you think in terms of, this is where I ultimately think the sport w- will end up like these series, they're cool, but they're going to be demanding. And Briz, like what you're saying, like if it was longer, like I liked that it was a little bit, uh, more, concise and maybe they're make it there's three races over the course of three three or four months or something like that right just because like that's kind of what we're used to from an endurance perspective right it's like let's get ready three to five months to get to our our most fit where like spartan is literally from february to december it doesn't make any sense but i think at some point these and even like i think about noob sandy when i think about this too is there's just invitationals like across the country right and for something like savage i feel like that would be cool to have like Florida, because that's their, that's kind of like their headquarters, right? That's like their flagship venue. Have that be like a spring invitational and then 
do Ohio in the fall or my backwards, whatever it is. And just like take the prize money that they took, they spread out for the entire series and just like dump it into two or three events just to make them more like marquee. Because that was one thing that the, the prize money, it's nice always to have any prize money. You don't want to complain about anything, but it really wasn't a huge purse for this the way at the, at the end, especially for the series win. It was kind of like the same as just winning a regional event or two. Right? For sure. Yeah. I, um, I was telling somebody a couple of days ago that I'm like, well, look, like how much money did I spend on going to these races? I probably spent five or six thousand dollars there's no way you made money five races i did <laughs> not make money, money at all <laughs> well you have to fly to places it's, right yeah it's, i uh, i made money um but that's nice. because I, I i have a van that i just can trip around and so my only expense is really gas and then the entry yeah yeah, yeah not me <laughs> and you also put and you also place higher <laughs> and um yeah. which which helps but the that, I I would love to see just like a savage invite, and then people from the West Coast could come out. You can get like a VJ out here or something like that, mm-hmm. and and just really throw down and have it be like a, like what Hildervat did, right? Where yeah. I don't like when it's invite only, but it was um, something that was like a, a big event that they had. Um, Sean, did you see the Hildervat event, and were you like, oh man, I would I would I would clean up on this thing? Uh, that was the thing last May on the beach. On the beach. Uh, yeah, so I, I did actually see that one. Let me try and remember. So they had like five or six people they invited. Yep. Um, Woods and, was one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he got like fourth in that too. I did, I watched it and I definitely thought that I would have done well there. But again, I, I was still only two races in OCRN. So it was like, I, you know, yeah, I, I mean, my confidence was high, but... I still, I kind of knew. I'm like, look, there's more to this than I know. I at that point, I don't think I'd beaten any of those top guys yet. So it was like, I would have. I was like, man, I really wish I could have gotten in there just to see where I'm at because I'm doing well against this other competition. And I, I, I would love to see a Hildervat and get 10, 12 guys in there and duke it out. Yeah, that was probably the point you were seeing any obstacle race and like, I'm gonna win all of these. <laughs> didn't didn't quite know yet. I mean, I, I still <laughs> yeah. think that. I mean, I, I, every yeah. race I, to, I think I'm going to win. And yeah, it's the competitiveness in me. And it helps. Guys like Aaron help that a lot because he's really easy to want to beat. <laughs> but then Kempson is the is completely different. He's It's like losing to Kempson, I'm like, ah, oh, man, you deserve that. Right? Like he's, mm-hmm. and he's so nice. And uh, I've been waiting. He finally said something. I've been waiting for a year for him to say something. I think I finally got something to make me want to beat him uh, he said, uh, make it personal all, yeah all he said was oh yeah i heard you're bad at going down cargo nets so i'm currently trying to do some mental gymnastics and turn that into a personal insult so that i can, <laughs> <laughs> so I can use that as fuel to beat him but he's making it hard did you see the uh jordan documentary where he just like yeah, made yeah. up that this guy said something to him on yeah, the court yeah. it's like he i'm gonna drop my name <laughs> it's yeah. something I ridiculous i can't go that far i i gotta I got to have some actual fuel, but, uh, I do definitely, like I said, Aaron, Aaron makes it easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just need a little something though. So what, going back to like some of the things I said at the beginning and, and again, from all three of us in a, a running background where I kind of had the same approach for a long time. It's like, I can just out fitness everybody at this thing. 
and then figuring out that that might not be the case and then trying to learn how to get my fitness to as high as possible while also being able to account for these other things that we've been talking about, like the ascents and descents and obstacles and things like that. Like when you guys think about that in your own training, where, where is there a line? Like, like Briz, are you still just trying to get as fit as possible? And then just, you'll rely on your obstacle proficiency that you have or your, your uh, experience as a biker that you'll be able to get through it. Or is there a line that you draw where like, this is not, this is going too far into the runner zone. That's a good question. So I, I've never been able to bulk up and be strong. Like I said, the last six, seven, eight months now, I have gained a lot more muscle mass than I've ever had in my life. And it's showing like at some of the obstacles, like I can dive head first and I know I'm just going to catch swing and hit the belt. And that's, that's really cool. Um, but I've never had, so I, I, I really value like being fit for any occasion, right? Mm-hmm. So hiking in the woods, somebody I'm with breaks their leg and now I got to carry them and run from a grizzly bear. Like, like I should just be strong enough to handle anything that life throws at me, you know, mm-hmm. drive off a cliff and have to hike back to civilization you know um and being just generally fit generally strong gives you a lot of confidence in life it gives you phenomenal applicable skills to to ocr racing to other areas of life to you know all kinds of stuff and um i just really have always wanted to be able to, and, and I'm very competitive, so I've always wanted to be able to show that like, hey, the more fit I am for just general life stuff, the more competitive I'm gonna be at races. And it's hmm. because, and it makes it just more rewarding to just live life too. So yeah. um, being just generally strong and having that incredible amount of endurance and being like, okay, well, I'm in the suffer zone, but I can hang out here all day long. Let's go. Like, no, that's for sure. That's uh, I think you align really well with a lot of, especially the top guys in the OCR community, Mm -hmm. really the whole OCR community in that. And that is where I take a huge deviation off and it helps and hurts (laughs) me. Right. Like, so I, for me, fitness, I don't particularly care about. I'm trying to be the best athlete. I can be overall being fast running is a part of that, but for sure, the idea of being tough is just not something I care about at all. Like in, I know a lot of people are just like, yeah, grit through. And I think that's other than like learning the obstacles and stuff. I currently believe that that's my number one issue is that I'm watching everybody else be able to just grind through and work so hard collapsing at the finish line. I'm finishing races and I'm like, that didn't really hurt that bad. I uh, had a good time out there. That was fun. (laughs) I, I just, I just don't have that ability at the moment to, go into that red zone within five minutes and then hold it for another 40. So I, I, I'm working on, you know, trying to like every race I've been trying to go from a little farther out and like hurt for a little bit longer because I, you and a lot of these other guys, you Kempson, Aaron mm-hmm. are three for sure that can just hurt for 45 minutes bad. And I'm like, that's, that ain't for me. <laughs> I, it's, it's I, not fun. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I can relate to that, Sean, too. And I've heard that before from, from other athletes that are like, whenever I finish, it's just like, I don't feel like I'm able to collapse. And I'm always like, well, it's like you run hard and then you stop and like you kind of gain it back. And like a cargo net, you come off and you're breathing fine. And it's like, it's hard to kind of get to that place. Like we're in a 5K. It's like you ramp up, you go as hard as you can until that spot where you just can't anymore. But, you know, you can hold it until everything's gone. There really isn't that just like set set piece. So in terms of like toughness, I think of it in a different perspective because that type of 5K, that type of like mile, I think that hurts worse. I think that feeling is worse than what an OCR event is, you know, yeah. where it's like, you know I'm what I mean? Like hurting more in a, in a race. Like that's because I have more experience in hurting in those. I'm still right. learning. I, I think that's something that's going to come eventually is that I'll learn how to hit that OCR pain and push through right now. Like I started this year and I'm like last five minutes is about what I can give you for like hard, you know, blinding pain. And now, I, I mean, like in Ohio, I probably hit 20 minutes of like really pushing it hard and like fighting through difficult pain and uh, it, it'll get there. Just got to keep practicing. And the practice for that is that specifically in races or how do you think you can replicate that? Is it possible? I could move up to Binghamton and get with Noob Sanity and go. That's there true. I was just, you read my mind, dude. You must have saw my face <laughs> smirking or something. Work out Wednesdays. Just get out there. Yeah. Got a fac- factory just creating killers up there, man. There's, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the ability to suffer comes from a few things. I think it comes from that desire to win, which Sean, you clearly have. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes from experiencing other things in life, in training and all that to be able to say, this isn't that bad. And it comes from intentionally doing things you don't want to do, but you know, it's going to make you stronger or better or whatever, whether that's, you're going grocery shopping and instead of stopping at McDonald's and getting your strawberry milkshake before you go in, you do all your shopping. You don't buy any of the extra stuff and turn around and go home and make dinner yourself. Like that's mental toughness just the same as it is, is in a race, you know, Hmm. and being able to practice that and apply that to every area of your life is super, super applicable. I think um, that's true. I think most most good athletes in in, the, in sports that are painful, at least I'm not talking about basketball players <laughs> where everything's fun all the time. But uh, yeah, like there's a certain amount of discipline and like willpower that you need in order to be like you can have a lot of talent, but if you don't have that mindset, which again I think everybody that you'll see that finish in the top ten of any of these races will have at least a good amount of that. Hey, I'm pretty disciplined person i know i know this is the right thing to do and it's not hard for me to say yes to making that right decision whereas you start to go lower lower down you might have people with that talent but i don't know like you know the the type of people who are like i don't feel like it i'll skip the training day to to us right that's just like crazy it's like you don't feel like it what what does that mean yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) yep i i my i'm gonna pick on my brother a little bit because if you look at a book And all of his running times compared to all of my running times on paper, he's faster. Mm -hmm. No questions asked, put him on a bike, put him on a run. No questions asked. He's, he's faster. He's stronger. But I, 
you know, a little bit of my personal life. I went through a divorce. And after that, I was like, well, I'm just going to get really, really tough. And mm. I started a run streak. 501 mm. days later, I finished a 50K out at Fit Challenge in Rhode Island with Rob McCoy. Mm-hmm. Jarrett and I ran that thing on a trail together. We rolled through the marathon at three hours. I tore my nice. MCL and Ooh. finished the 50K. <laughs> yeah, so I stopped my running streak. In the name of toughness, <laughs> hurt so my crazy. knee and kept going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so my fitness was phenomenal, but I had to recover from that injury. And the rest of that year was kind of crazy. But, um, you know, you don't go a year and a half of running every day injury free. No. So do you think that there was something physical or like, was there actually a change that happened during a streak like that, that like where you were now actually different, not just physically, obviously there's like a physical change, but from a toughness standpoint, do you think you developed something or over that course, or is it just something you can like harness a little bit easier that you always had? Um, so I, I actually went running yesterday and this earlier in this week has been a high volume week. I've done the same amount of volume running and I've added almost quadruple as much bicycling just because it's been phenomenal weather. I have no upcoming races. So I'm like, crank it. I went running yesterday and there's a certain feeling of like having incredible fatigue while like, like I'm just jogging along in the woods and I'm like, like every log I look at, I'm like, I could take a nap right there. <laughs> like I could just lay down right now, not run. I'd have a few bug bites, but I was like, that sounds really nice. I'm like, nope, I'm going to keep running for the next 35 minutes, 40 minutes until I'm done with this mm-hmm. and then go home and eat and sleep. And yeah. and I, I really, I do think that that comes with a psychological change and a physiological change because most people you get to that feeling and that's, you know, alarm bells are going off. They're panicking that they're going to actually die. Like there are physiological Mm -hmm. responses that you have Mm -hmm. to stressors. And, you know, I, I kind of, we were hanging out after Savage Ohio with, Sean and Jared and a couple other guys from my group and Sean was talking about some injury stuff that he's dealing with with research and all I could think about was like oh he's he's just as much of a nerd as me woohoo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but so Sean you know there's there's physiological responses to yeah to mental you know stimuli and and being able to minimize you know, scared and shock responses from just basic everyday life stuff is a huge, is a huge part of training in general to make your body and your mind tougher. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of my professors would always say, um, and it just, it applies very well. The adaptation will always reflect the stimulus. So if you are any type of stressor that you are experiencing, whatever hormones that may release or whatever, you know, uh, neurotransmitters it may inhibit or whatever's going on inside of your body, like your body's going to adapt to whatever that stimulus provides. And so if you're just trying to build general toughness, and a lot of times you're 
producing certain neurotransmitters that are going to make you more stressed. And then your body's going to be like, okay, this is what I do when we have all of this. And like, it's just going to get better at it. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm right on page with you there. So with that, right, because there's a line where stress becomes um, not opposite of advantageous. Not healthy. <laughs> Hurtful. Yeah. It, it, it hurts yeah. you. So, and training is stress, right? It's physical stress that we put on to get those adaptations. So is there a line you guys think where it's like, there's a point where you need to recover from that stress versus continuing to pour it on with mental toughness type of things? Should the two be intertwined? Like, should the physical part come with the mental part? Like, and, and, and have you guys come up to a place where you've had to identify like, oh, this might be too much? Oh, I definitely had, like, I mean, that's, I retired from running and then took seven years off of racing for a reason. And hmm. I decided to come back and I have very specific rules for what I'm willing to do now. I'm never going to be at my 100% fitness again, because in order to get to my peak fitness, it's going to take an amount of work that's going to put me into a depression that is not worth it. So I mm-hmm. have to have, like, my rule now is I, I like training hard. So that's, I'm lucky to have that at least, but I will never train again to the point where I, like, am upset when I have a bad workout or anything like that. Like I, I make sure that my training is always fun. That's why I, I rock climb is <clears throat> my grip training because it's something like, it's just always chill, always fun. It's out technically a workout, but it's more just hanging out with people and having a good time. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I've, I've said I'll never run over 15 miles again. I, that, that's one of my rules, hmm. which is a very low number. But mm-hmm. when I was doing, when I was training for running a half mile and I was doing 17, 18 mile long runs every week, that was like mentally and emotionally draining for me. So that's just a rule. I'm like, Hey, I know once I start getting to that point, I'm not going to be happy. So I'm not going to. Yeah. It. Yeah. I agree with that really fully. Actually. I, um, I got into a relationship around the first of the year and being able to balance that, having somebody, that I come home and we're there and I have to be able to be emotionally available and spend time with this person and, and still be able to train. And like, like there's some, especially when you get into full training mode, I've, I've heard different people call it monk mode. When you're like, this is what I'm doing. I'm training. I'm not going to hang out and grab burgers with the guys. I'm not, you know, going to like, I get up, I go to work, I get home, I train like crazy. I get home, I eat, I go to bed. Like that's it. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. There's zero social life. There's zero yeah. like like fun or adventure. There's there's you know a very dedicated I'm doing this to get better. Yeah. And it's easy to do that if you're single, if you are, you know, okay with being almost constantly depressed um, mm-hmm. and, and all these things. So dealing with that, dealing with the start of the Savage series um, and, you know, all those things, like like training doesn't have to suck. It should be fun. Like mm-hmm. you should be doing <clears throat> these things because, you know, it's going to be healthy and you're going to be a healthier individual when you're 80, 90, 100 years old. But mm-hmm. there's also an aspect of like, well, today I should do a long run, but 
all my friends are going rock climbing or they're going to go hang out on the lake on some dude's boat or like, like I might not have that opportunity ever again. So do I go and just hit the, the gym and do my long run and you know, all this stuff, or do I go and enjoy my life and enjoy the time of like the mental recovery? It's definitely the balance. Yeah. So for me, I still always make sure the workout gets in, but I also will make sure. And socially I think is the biggest one for me. Like if I can have a quality, like social life going on around me, that's kind of my break. I can train as much as possible. It is when you get into that monk mode where you're now to the point where you're like, Hey guys, I, I can't have any drinks for the next three weeks or hang out with anybody because I got a race coming up. I need to be in bed by nine up by five. And just like, that's, if you're that type of person who can handle that, good for you. But for me, I can train very, very hard as long as the rest of my life is happy and, you know, stress-free. Yeah. I like to, I like to periodize those parts of my life. The same with like Mm -hmm. training. It's like, let's give like six, six week blocks of, uh, dialed in behavior. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is fine. Like it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm I'm kind of balanced. Yeah. Sean, it kind of sounds like it's a gift and a curse that you were able to kind of put yourself in that place because Mm -hmm. you did it and like, you're able to kind of see where that could take you. But now it's like, I'm not going back there again. (laughs) It was depressing. Like my schedule when I was training full-time running and like running was my job. I I had like every week it was the same thing. Monday was intervals, like uh, lactate threshold intervals, like two minute rest intervals is what we call them. Wednesday morning, tempo run. Wednesday evening, hills, not real hills, like 2%, 3% grade hills. Uh, (laughs) Friday. So flat. Yeah, exactly. It was hills to me then, but I I learned. (laughs) Friday was your hard interval work. Like so Monday and Wednesday were like your just regular workouts. Friday was your hardest workout. Saturday, long run. Sunday, try and get your body together to do it again all next week. And that was it. Every week, over and over and over, no end in sight. And it was just like you we're it's beginning of November. I got I don't have a race for two more months and I'm like, man, I'm already drained. This is just yeah. the no end in sight thing's tough. Mm-hmm. It's just like we're starting and I'm exhausted three weeks into it. Yeah. So it's like right now I I plan my whole year so that I could try and optimize, uh, you know, where my training was. So, um, should about to start back up. I've taken a break a little longer than I wanted to. I only wanted to only take three days, but health issues. Uh, so I'm about to start up my hardest two months of the year. Cause I think right now I can only handle two months of that, like going down to the deep end and just like grinding through it and then OCRWC will come and then I'll take a rest. But yeah, like late July through mid September is going to be my, like we're hitting this hard every day. The most mileage I'll be doing all year, the, the hardest, highest intensity I'll be doing. And then, yeah, I, I have an end in sight, like September 26th or whatever date it, it is. It's like, okay, if I can just make it there 45 days, I'm good. Come up to noob sanity, man. <laughs> I want, no, I'm going to come, come up, up here. Uh, yeah. I want to, uh, I think we were talking the Wednesday before OCRWC. I, I definitely want to come. You guys made me want to see your whole situation going on there. I want to come to a Wednesday workout and, uh, or is it workout Wednesday? How do you guys call it? Either. We usually call it Wednesday night workout. Wednesday, Wednesday night. Workout. night. At the night. Yeah. Yep. I want to do my final uh, pre-race workout up there before OCRWC if I can get the time. Yes. Stop by. It's worth it. <laughs> 
So you guys are both, we'll see both at OCR, WC, um, Bruce, do you have any races from now until then? Are you going to hit any of the, the local Spartans? I mean, Palmerton's coming up, which I'm sure you guys will have some people going down to. Um, oh, for sure. We've got um, the red jerseys go kind of all over the place. We've got everybody doing um, – we've got a lot of people, I think, doing Palmerton. We've got a few people training for, like, World's Toughest Mutter. Mm. Uh, I think that's going to be in Georgia now. They changed it. Or Is what? it again? I thought it was yeah. like Alabama. There's supposed to be oh, Florida. Maybe it's Alabama. It was actually in Alabama. They changed it from Florida to wherever. Um, and uh, so we've got a lot of people training for that. In the in-between, we've got a couple of like Noob Sanity local races. So we'll mm-hmm. do our like ultra of the year is on August 20th. Um, you basically person with the highest number of laps in, I think it's an eight or a 12 hour time period wins. Um, we've got our ravine race in the end middle ish of July. Um, and then there's other things like, uh, the Ragnar Appalachians, uh, in August in West Virginia, I'll probably be at that, uh, whatever local races kind of pop up. There's another obstacle course about two hours east of us called Obstacle Wonderland. Um, they put on great events pretty consistently. Uh, small time thing, but they're a lot of fun. Super nice to go hang out for a weekend. Um, so I don't have anything like any big races planned. Kind of like Sean was talking about. It's mileage little bit of suffer fest but the end is in sight and i i actually took the week half of the week leading up to and then the entire week after ocrwc i submitted my vacation january 1st <laughs> for Sweet. work so mm-hmm. so that's the end and it's just party whether i place you know first or 100th or anything in between it's yeah. just you know, that'll be a good time up at, at that race and, um, you know, hang out as much as I want after that, take a little bit of an off season and then get back into it. Sean, what do you got coming up? You got any, will you hop into any races on the way to OCRWC? Uh, I, <clears throat> I don't have any currently on the schedule, but I have a, fr- uh, if I, one of my friends might, uh, ride out with me to Chicago and if they will, then I will, uh, do Savage Chicago at the end of July. And then I, the only other things that are probable, uh, there's a uh, like Blue Ridge Mountains Triple Crown for kind of trail racing. It's not really trail racing. It's like, but it's just some races just to keep myself, you know, a little bit race sharp. But I want to find something within two weeks of OCRWC. I think Savage Maryland might be right there. And I think Savage Race is the best ones to translate to OCRWC anyway. But um. So if, if Savage Maryland is two weeks before OCRWC, then I'll go there and I'll try and just hammer that as hard as possible to get myself a little bit ready. But I don't, I'm not going to be doing a bunch of races. It'll, it'll be two to four. And most of them will be like, or if it's more than two, anything else will just be kind of like having fun, uh, just making sure I stay a little bit sharp. Yeah, I'll probably be at Savage Boston and Savage Maryland. Same oh. thing as Sean, probably hammer, hammer at Maryland and rub elbows with some of the greatest until, uh, just keep yourself sharp until we get to, uh, OCRWC. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, uh, PA 
Frizz for Savage. That's sort we're of so obvious. close to. I'm sure we'll we'll have. Geez, we have like a hundred members. We'll probably have thirty or forty people from Noob Sanity that go down. Yeah. Um. The last couple of years, they've had to, like, I, last year we had to rent two huge Airbnbs, like close to each other, so because mm-hmm. everybody that went on the trip. So That's we'll get a lot of people down there. That'll be a blast. Yeah, you, um, got, you guys got a good setup there. <laughs> it's pretty good. We we just bought a bus, so we're tricking the bus out. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so that'll be. You can look forward to seeing that at some some yeah, venues. Yeah. We're probably going to take that up to OCRWC. That's it'll be fun, it'll be tricked out with like you know an awning that comes off the side. It'll have logos. It, It'll I don't be know cool. If there's anybody who's got it like you guys. Like you guys seem like you have the best group situation going on in the whole OCR community. I don't know. I'm not really. I am, of what's going I'm on, sort of but. biased, uh, but I I would agree. Like it would be really hard for me as a racer to move away from this area to to for somewhere with better terrain. Like the only place would be Colorado, and even then, like you're not gonna get the companionship that you have here at noob sanity mm-hmm. like yeah. like like binghamton like like rich was just saying there's not there's hardly even a burger king here like there is a why king. why <laughs> is it that that the town of barker which is a small town in broom county was able to win the ocrwc world championship for the co-ed team relay last year because we have a phenomenal culture of companionship here like Mm -hmm. we have good obstacles we have phenomenal like area to train in but we have people that keep you accountable like like if i don't do my training today or if i told somebody a couple of days ago that i was gonna do xyz and i was gonna be out of town or whatever and then nobody sees anything from me on Strava. Like I've probably got four or five people that will text me and be like, Hey, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Coming to the workout tonight. What are you doing? Like, let's go running. Like you seem like you kind of fall, fell off yeah. the map. So let's get together and let's, you know, let's put the Legos back together and, and keep moving. Yeah, and I missed that, that about being on a team. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. amazing. It just having the team, having the companionship, having the, like similarity of goals like every person is their own athlete and we all have different strengths and weaknesses and we have different goals relating to those things but being able to train with somebody like Jarrett newbie who's you know he's like hey let's go move heavy things very fast okay <laughs> he's gonna kick my butt i'm probably gonna get one of the best workouts i've ever got in my life or matt gill who has uh way faster running you know like you look at a notebook again of of his times versus my times you're never picking me he's smoking fast he can go uphill like it's nobody's business um Mm -hmm. even if he descends really in like he's in the way (laughs) we're we're all working on the descents here yeah yeah Um, kill him into getting better (laughs) <laughs> and, and noob sanity is good at that like we're really good at at busting each other's balls and just staying on top of the game and it's 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 special it, it, 
I don't know of any other community that is like this. It's like having an Olympic training camp that I live just down the street from. Yeah. It's cool that the, I think it's a lot of the proximity and just like the consistency, right? And you'll be able to, to cultivate this culture of OCR, which isn't really a thing anywhere else. Most OCR athletes train by themselves because they're the only person that they know who does right. OCR, right? Where you guys are, there's a, there's a hub and it's always going to be there and it's always going to happen. So it brings yeah. people out. And just if you're We've consistent with training, you're going to get better. people that show yeah. up at our Wednesday night workouts. Like that's, that's nuts. Like if they're just there to have fun and be hobbyists, cool. But that's still somebody that like come Saturday morning, I'm waking up and going to my race and my phone is exploding text messages. Good luck. Kill it. I'm on the live stream already. You know, all this stuff. That's a powerful feeling when you feel like, like you have to perform for all these people to make your teammates mm -hmm. proud to like, like there's no better motivator than having a whole team behind you saying, come on, let's go get it. And that's, Oh, I love it. You know, I love much, it much more, much more positive than how I get myself motivated. <laughs> yeah. At the start lines, you're a little intense there, man. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of Mike Tyson quotes going through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, cool, fellas. This is fun. I was glad you guys could carve out some time for me to, to chat about training and everything like that. So I'll see you guys at least at OCR World Championships, maybe some some savages along the way. Uh, I'll make sure to link to your socials and everything like that if, if you guys are posting stuff and, and so people can check you out and follow you. So sounds great. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Good good talking to you, Rich. Sean, I'm sure we'll uh, get to see each other before the end of July. Yeah. I'll see you around. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. <laughs>